0: This is Cole.
1: And this is Carly. Welcome to our podcast, Shrieks and Shivers. This week, we will be reviewing Devil's Pass from 2013. Devil's Pass is about five Oregon College students traveling to Russia to investigate the Dyatlov Pass incident. During their hiking trip, they discover they are not alone on the mountain. But it just found that shows what happened to them.
0: This is a found footage movie and its location or setting takes place in the northern Ural Mountains in Russia.
1: So, Cole, what did you think about this film?
0: Oh, Carly, I'm not going to lie to you or to our audience. I really did not like this movie. I didn't like the characters. I didn't like um, their dialogue. And I didn't like uh, the big bad at the end.
1: You know, I actually like this movie, but I'm also a little, I think I'm a little more fond of found footage than you are.
0: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the found footage. I don't like the whole shaking of the camera or when, like, they're talking to the audience. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of it.
1: And, you know, I think a lot of people felt the same way as you because in, um, on the reviews, they only get, like, 48%, like, on the review sites. But a lot of people said they liked the movie up until the ending,
0: really i thought the movie was so slow like there were points where i was like why are we even having this kind of dialogue they could like pick it up a bit more or cut some scenes out that really don't add anything to the movie
1: i mean the movie itself isn't that long it's only about an hour and 40 minutes for a found (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how long is the blair witch
0: i don't even know i hate the blair witch (laughs)
1: Okay, the Blair Witch always freaked me out, but I haven't watched it in a long time, so I would need to go back and re-watch it to see how I feel about it today. Um, I just... Oh, sorry, what were you going to say?
0: I just was going to say, I remember when uh, scary movies came out and they made f- fun of the found footage.
1: Oh, yeah. I will say, I did like um, that this movie, there was quite a bit of humor in it. They tried to keep it lighthearted. Um, and then there were some elements where it was like the characters were kind of poking fun at their own genre of the movie like hitting a fourth wall i guess in a way that i enjoy um Um, so going back to the characters we have five characters in this film we have holly king denise evers jensen day andy thatcher and jp hauser jr and those are the five college students who go on this trip to russia to investigate this incident um holly is the student who was able to obtain the grant in order to be able to for them to take this trip
0: and stop you right there let me just say one thing holly can i just say she is the leader she is the one who wants to do this but it's so weird how did she even get a grant approved to go to russia to investigate an incident where nine people died like explain that how does that even work
1: well, I guess because she was a psychology student, she wanted to go there and see if there was anything that affected their psychological state that could have made that could have led to them to the nine um, original hikers dying on the mountain or in the mountains.
0: Hmm. I think Holly just wanted to go to Russia.
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that too. I would have loved to see what her thesis was. Um, and also just of all the things you could investigate, why? why go somewhere where nine people have already died
0: and again like it's not a place where like it's easily like where it's easy to get to like it's not in America you have to go all the way to Russia and second you have to climb a whole fucking mountain to get this information like that's a little ridiculous like not it's not for me <laughs>
1: I- want to say people who participate in winter sports or like mountain climbing where they go to places that are super cold and they have to do a lot of hiking and they have to sleep outside in like b- way below freezing temperatures they're like they are brave i could never do that i hate the cold so much
0: and see i like the cold but i want to be in like a nice cabin or just visiting for a little bit. I don't want to like live amongst the cold or camp out in the cold. That's not for me.
1: You want to do glamping, coal. Yes. You don't want to. Do <laughs> um. Even then, though, I I do think that like the film itself does have that element that shows you know these are kind of like college students. They're kind of dumb. They say some disrespectful stuff. Like they're not very um, disrespectful to the country they're in. Uh, Yim had mentioned it earlier that it's like half the time when they're interacting with one of the Russian citizens, they're mentioning the Cold War.
0: It's like that's all they know about Russia is the Cold War. Like most of their interactions, they're yelling at what, some Russian about the Cold War.
1: And I guess, like when you think about it, um, this film is made by Americans, I'm guessing um, for Americans. There's still a lot of propaganda in America about Russia. And I mean, even now, especially now with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. I mean, I think we're seeing that amped up again. But in all of our films, if Russia's mentioned, you still have that element of propaganda in there.
0: Oh, completely agree with that. I'm surprised you're taking a dip in the political pot.
1: Oh, yeah. Not trying to. We can (laughs) go back to the film. But I mean, we do have to kind of talk about it a little bit just because they mention it in the film. And then the film also ends with us being led to believe that there's some big military cover-up.
0: Isn't it funny that when, like, there is a movie in a different country, it's always about how their military is secretive and how their military is trying to create a weapon or investigate into creating a weapon in some sort?
1: I mean, but if we honestly think about it... There are movies about that, about the American military and the American government, too. So I think it's like any big government, if there's something major happening, um, like aliens or some weapon of mass destruction or some weapon being used to create super soldiers, you know, you always see that in the movies where it's like the government will will keep it a secret or will go to links to keep that information from getting out. So I don't think it's just, oh, because it's happening in Russia. I think it wouldn't matter if it was just in russia or another country i see that and i mean i i still think that no matter what though anytime russia comes up in americans movies you're always going to have that element of you know political propaganda or like really making the other country out to be the bad guy
0: true honestly any american movie when it deals with another country you're going to have a like you said that propaganda is going to be there somewhere
1: mm-hmm. um go- i will say- Huh? Oh, what were you going to say
0: no no you continue
1: no you were speaking
0: okay what i was going to say is um circling back to the beginning um when we're getting kind of getting introduced to the characters you know we meet holly and then the second character we meet is uh jensen and i loathe this character he's a character do i, I do not like and sally he is a character that will stay with us till the very end um the first thing i write about him in my notes is white man jensen mansplaining he's an ass called a woman stupid
1: (laughs) i mean but as the movie goes on cole was he wrong he's still an ass i mean yeah he can be an ass but it doesn't necessarily make him wrong
0: and then we get our uh did you have anything to add
1: honestly um I didn't have a problem with any of the characters. I feel like they do a pretty good job of representing, you know, a young demographic who's still kind of immature. So no. I didn't I didn't have any problems with them. Oh,
0: I guess I'm the social warrior over here in my corner. Um, <laughs> Denise our third character, she is um I don't know what that um equipment's called that she's holding. It collects all the That's noise.
1: Not- I think it's a mic boom
0: a mic boom I think you're right either way I feel bad for her because like essentially Jensen all he can do is focus on is her boobs and that's immediately what I see when we first are er- introduced to Denise is she's talking and then slowly zooms into her chest mm-hmm. so well, you gotta love that
1: it's sexist but also you know there is a the stereotypical frat boy kind of behaviors so um I will say, I think it's interesting that at the beginning of the film, when they're at the college, it shows her holding the the mic boom or the sound boom a lot. But then once you're on the trip, like literally the only people who do anything important is like the person who is filming, which I believe is Jensen, and then the person who makes them food, which is J.P. Hauser Jr. The uh, other ones are just kind of there.
0: Holly's always talking and getting recorded and getting blamed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that, but we don't see her talk about her ideals or her theories at all when it, in regards to what happened at this path. It's mostly like jumping from crisis to crisis or weird incident to weird incident.
0: True. And then, um, I don't know. It's just, it's what, what do you expect? Denise to be walking around in the snow, holding the, uh, carrying that equipment. Like that'd be hard as hell.
1: Also, I just want to point out that, like, in so many horror films or, like, psychological thrillers, movies like that, um, they always want to have the, pe- the characters visit somebody, like, in a psychiatric hospital,
0: uh.
1: um, health institution. And, I mean, here in America, at least, you have to have, like, certain paperwork allowing you to do that because they can't just release information to you about that person. They just can't let you come in and visit them without having you, like, on an approved visitor list. I don't know if that's the same in Russia. Um, It could be. But the fact that they're like, let's go visit this person in this facility. And then they get angry when they're turned away and told no filming here. Like, it's just funny.
0: Yeah. It's like they didn't even talk to anyone beforehand. They're not like, hey, I called and I asked. Or it's like they were just like, hey, we're five Americans. We're going to barge into your psychiatric ward and harass your patients. Yeah. And then, like, there's this random little man in the window who has a sign in Russian, which they don't understand because they're Americans who didn't even try to learn basic Russian before going to another country. American. Um, But they just immediately believe that's the guy who they were trying to speak to. That could have just been a random dude telling them to fuck off in Russian.
1: And even if it was, I mean, obviously, it does turn out to be the correct guy. But, I mean, my question is, how did he know they were coming? How did he have time to prepare his sign?
0: Well, what you don't know, Carly, is he's always standing there every day with that sign. Just every day. And they have to pull him away from the window.
1: He just he just has that sign up for everyone. It's, it's not for the students. It's for the people coming into the facility. He's warning them away. <laughs> and the students just take it as he's warning them away. When really it's like, no, it's for anyone who comes in the facility. He's like, the food sucks here.
0: Do you remember what the sign said?
1: I think it was um, beware or go away or turn away or don't come here. Something like that.
0: Oh, goodness. Was...
1: <laughs> um, But moving on from that. So stuff really amps up once they're in the mountains, which I kind of like this because it is a little bit different than other horror movies. You know, where you have people like in the woods or in a house or like in a much more enclosed environment where your line of sight is kind of diminished because of the objects around it here it's wide open like the only thing blocking your view is a mountain way in the distance but I mean you have like the white snow everything's open so you're not getting like the jump scare or like even the kind of creepy feeling that you're being watched you know what I mean like the characters they have all that space available for them to just look around and go what's happening out here
0: and see that's what I kind of like about the show I mean the movie even though I'm not a big fan of it and I don't think it's that great I do like that the element is kind of like oh it's like it just feels like normal people hiking and then weird things start to occur and then they're still kind of like oh maybe it's just like it's nothing and then as it slowly goes on you're like oh no there is something out here with us in the wilderness which honestly in real life that can happen like you could be Hiking, and then there's something really be stalking you amongst the woods or amongst the snow
1: like animals or something,
0: yeah, or even humans sometimes,
1: yeah, or humans, which we find out as this movie progresses. You know, there is an, an element of them being hunted by people as well as something else. Um, I like the fact that in this movie, there's a slow buildup, but like the buildup is just like it just shows how it's not enough to completely make them decide to end the trip especially for Holly she's the most stubborn one out of them about having to complete the trip and I guess that's because you know she was the one that got the grant and this is her project so it's like she's going to be the one that's most impacted by it academically um but I mean we see them discover footprints in the snow that are bigger than any of theirs and they're like well how could this happen it's too cold out here for somebody to go barefoot to make these footprints And these footprints are bigger than ours. And then we also see her find a tongue. (laughs) And I feel like, honestly, if I found a tongue in the middle of nowhere, I don't care if it was like an animal tongue or like a person's tongue. I feel at that point, I would be like, okay, it's time to wrap this up. (laughs) We're finding body parts now. We're finding organs, especially weird organs. We just need to, you know, head back down the mountain, go home. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's just crazy that like they look at all this evidence and in typical horror movie fashion, they reject it. They're like, you know what, it's fine, it's nothing. But they also blame Holly for the footprints, which is impossible. As you know, she would have to like have a device or something or like a model of a foot and be walking right there out there in the middle of the night, just stomping around in the snow. And that would also make her footprints next to the fake footprints. And then there's also, um The tongue. They blame her for the tongue as well, which makes no sense. You're telling me she got ahead of y'all, miles ahead of y'all, put the tongue there, and then run all the way back just to act surprised when she discovers the tongue.
1: I mean, but you also have to think they're blaming Holly because she's the one who doesn't want to leave. She's the one who's like, this is my movie. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do for it. So in their mind she's that ambitious and that ruthless that she's just going to keep going no matter what and she's even willing to fake stuff for her I,
0: movie. I can see that. I can understand that. I just I just think it's crazy how they just assume. But you're right, Holly is the one who continues to press forward.
1: Plus we see this in horror movies a lot, um, that there's an element of paranoia in all of the characters, so that they're less like questioning everyone. So I think that's just highlighting that. And Holly gets the brunt of it because she's the one who's most vocal about continuing the trip. Where if she would have been like, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's go ahead and turn back around. They probably all would have turned back around.
0: Denise is the smart one, though. She's like the first one to say, hey, I think we should like end the trip and head back down. And then everyone's just like, uh, we'll continue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and. Speaking about Denise, um, we do learn that she ends up, you know, kind of in a relationship or a hookup with another character on the trip named Andy. And in true horror story fashion, uh. you X, you die. That's the rules, that's the logic. <laughs> and so that's actually what happens in this film. The the two first characters to die out of the group are also the ones that were hooking up.
0: And the crazy thing is is like I'm okay, hooking up. That's fine. But like you're choosing to hook up on the top of a mountain where people have died. It's snowy. It's cold. You have weird things going on. And the first thing on your brain is I want to have sex.
1: Yeah. And I mean, for me, it's like, OK, I can understand wanting to do that. But at the same time, it's also sort of like, OK, if you're going to do that and you're in a freezing environment, don't take all of your clothes off just in case something bad does happen. You still have some protection.
0: And something bad does happen. Uh, dynamite explosions in the distance cause a avalanche that sadly take Denise and Andy's leg out.
1: Yeah. And while Andy is injured, they manage to um, fix his leg. They reset it, which sounded very painful. And then um, they're all just setting outside. So Denise is gone at this point. The avalanche took her. We don't know if she's alive. We don't know if she's buried in snow, freezing to death slowly. I imagine she probably does die pretty quickly because she didn't have much clothing on and so she probably succumbed to hypothermia pretty quickly. Um, so we're left with Holly, Jensen, Andy, and JP. And Andy is injured. And I mean, during this incident, we also find out that earlier, which we already knew, but, but JP and Andy didn't, um, that Holly and, and Jensen had discovered a bunker the day before and the bunker was unlocked because it locks from the outside. It was unlocked, but they couldn't get it open because it was frozen shut.
0: Yeah. And then, like, I just got to say, once you start hiding information from your teammates, your um, your friends or your associates who are traveling with you on this trip, that's immediately a red flag to me. Like, they should have told them. But I will say, JP immediately hears about this bunker and, like, gets mad and is like y'all should have told us we could have been in there instead of out here in the snow and it's like jp you do understand like this is a bunker in the middle of russia there's weird stuff going around like you don't think that in itself is suspicious and you'd be okay in the bunker
1: yeah that was my thing i'm like once you start finding random bunkers or buildings out in the middle of nowhere especially a bunker Your main thing should be like, let's just stay away from that. That seems like it could cause us some trouble. And I mean, on top of that, Denise even mentioned that it is slightly radioactive. So it's like, okay, not enough to be dangerous, but do you really want to take the chance? Because you were on the outside measuring the radioactiveness. You weren't inside of it measuring it. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Who wants to go into a bunker that's even giving a slight bit of radioactiveness? Literally, you could be like, hey, Cole, this place is a little bit radioactive. And I'd be like, well, I'm going to avoid it.
1: But then again, I wonder, I mean, I guess at this point it comes down to, are we going to sit here and freeze to death? Because they don't have any, they, their tents are gone. They don't have any shelter. They're just sitting out in the snow. Even though they have a fire going, that's only going to warm so much. And once it drops below a certain temperature, fires can't even keep you warm. You know, if you don't have any other shelter around you.
0: True. And then they don't even get to make that choice because they're forced to choose the bunker because um Jensen shoots some flares into the sky, which does correlate to a point back in the story when he mentioned that um right before the incident that happened in nineteen fifty nine, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, people saw orange lights in the sky. Well, When he shoots the flare, they're the color orange, and he's like, "Oh, it's kind of like the lights in the sky." But we don't get to focus on that too much because right after he does that, some people come out of the snow and they start walking their way, and immediately they're excited, they're happy to see them. But Andy kind of is like, "Why don't they have backpacks on? Where did they come from?
1: Wanting to run." yeah, like Andy was putting everything together pretty quickly. He was like, these people arrived too soon after we shot the flares off. Like, why Why don't they have packs? Um, they're not here to rescue us. They're here to ensure we don't make it off the mountain. Which, unfortunately for Andy, because his leg is injured, he does tell his friends to leave him. And so they do leave him. And he ends up getting shot. Holly, uh, Holly Jensen, and J.P. Hauser make it to the bunker. They get it open. They run inside. But and then...
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I was going to say, J.P. did get shot in the process of getting into the bunker.
1: Oh yeah, so he did get shot, but I mean, not fatally. True. So they make it inside the bunker, and then that's it. the The soldiers or men, whoever they are, stop chasing them. And they realize it's because a bunker locks from the outside, so essentially they're just going to be locked in there until they either die due to dehydration or something else, you know.
0: And I think the soldiers were scared of what was ever in the bunker because, like, I feel like they would have pressed on, but they know something's wrong with the bunker, so that's why they stopped. They're like, "Uh, I'm not going to risk my life either. They're going to come back out, or we can open it up." But I don't want to open up and release whatever might be in the bunker. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back, well, staying with the bunker, you know, once Holly, Jensen and JP are in there, JP has to sit down because he's been injured. He's been shot. And so Jensen and Holly are kind of searching for a way out. And that's when they start to discover a lot of odd stuff in the bunker itself.
0: It's almost like they've been in the bunker before, like they find like um, equipment and stuff. But they also find a video camera that's Jensen's video camera. And when they play a video on it, it's them when they were trying to get into the psych ward.
1: And so just to clarify here, they have Jensen still has his actual video camera. And the video camera they find is identical to the one he has. And it shows like all of the footage they've captured up until that point, including them finding the new video camera. And then the new video camera's battery dies.
0: Which let me just say, if that video camera had been there that long since the first incident, I feel like it wouldn't still be charged. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, which we don't, we don't know until, we don't find that out until later on in the, as the series start, I mean, as the movie starts to wrap up that that camera's been there that long. And as they're going through the bunker, you know, they're showing, like, all this paperwork they found. And it's talking about different, um, like, experiments that the government's working on. One of them being, like, what is it? Trans- not trans-
0: Teleportation.
1: Teleportation. Which also somehow links into, like, time travel in a way.
0: Well, I guess it's because, like, you're, like, since you teleport, you're kind of rippling through time and space itself. Or you're rippling through space, but they did expect people to be able to teleport through time as well.
1: And I mean, it doesn't really seem like, based on any of the evidence in the bunker, that people really have any, they don't have any good control of it because we learn like you can go through time and space, but when you come out on the other side, sometimes you come out wrong.
0: Yeah. And we see that when they're in a place where they, I believe, where they kill off the humans who go, who are, who, experiment through the teleportation device or the cave we discover. And when they come back, I think they transform into something else and they're killed off by the Soviet soldiers.
1: Yeah, so we just see a bunch of skeletons stacked up. And even though they're still, they're just in skeletal form, there does look to be something off about like their structure.
0: Yeah, like their bones have mutated and transformed to be of something that resembles a human, but isn't a human. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And so while um, Holly and Jensen are finding all this paperwork, they hear J.P. screaming. They go to see what's going on. And he is being attacked by two mutant-looking things. And then the mutant-looking things, they leave J.P. alone and they go after Holly and Jensen.
0: And the terrifying thing about these creatures, not only are they tall, long-limbed, and horrifyingly screeching, but they can also teleport around you to try to attack you.
1: And so... My thing with that was like yes, they were teleporting a lot, but like they weren't teleporting in a way that was helping them catch Holly or or Jensen any quicker.
0: Well, I don't think they really wanted to hurt Polly or Jensen because as we find well, I won't I don't want to spoil it.
1: I mean you can spoil it. That's what we're we're here for.
0: (laughs) What we find out is that this is Holly and Jensen they are the monsters. So I don't think the monsters would attack them because, in a way, wouldn't that mess with the timeline?
1: Oh, that's true. So it's like, in a way, they had to preserve, they had to keep Holly and Jensen alive. They had to kind of, they had to kind of force them into that room with the wormhole so that Holly and Jensen's only choice would be to go through the wormhole so that they could be reformed as these mutants.
0: Yes, it's an uh, an escapable circle like mm-hmm. they can't escape from it
1: yeah and kind of thinking about that you know that's kind of a theme throughout the entire movie is that Holly and Jensen have kind of been running towards their own ending they've been running towards their own demise the entire time we know um, in the middle of the film after they have seen the footprints on the ground he, um Jensen's kind of upset and he and this is when everybody's wanting to leave except for Holly and Jensen tells Holly, you know, he had this really bad trip one time and um, w- when he was in high school and during that trip, which is a drug trip I'm talking about, he um, had heard like demons screeching and he thought he saw demons and then they sounded like what he heard that night. And then we learned that Holly feels like she's always been pulled towards that area of Russia she's always been pulled towards the mountain area and so it's like they've constantly been chasing this thing just to end up actually destroying themselves
0: yeah like they can't escape their own destiny which is to become these horrible monsters
1: Mm -hmm. and I mean at any point they could have chosen not to go to Russia they could have chosen you know especially Holly like if I kept dreaming of a place and I knew something really bad happened there I don't think I would pursue that you know what I mean
0: yes and in the ri- and I'm just circle back to the storyline in the original incident there were nine people found but the old lady they meet mentions that she was part of the rescue uh, rescue party or like mm-hmm. looking party to find the other bodies and she actually saw 11 people and two people were outside in the snow together and later on at the end of the movie we discovered that those two bodies are holly and jensen
1: yes and they have somehow made it back to 1959 because they went through the wormhole They're it's kind of suggested that they may be dead but when the soldiers take them inside of the bunker and hang them up on like hooks or chains they both start moving and so you see they're not dead but they don't look like holly and jensen the only way you know this is them is because When the holly mutant turns its head, you see the little wing she has behind her ear.
0: I didn't even catch that. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Also, that explains why the Soviet base is now abandoned, because the monsters weren't dead. So they probably started attacking people and, you know, doing their favorite task, which is ripping people's tongues out. And so the Soviets abandoned it. So that's why in the future, when Holly and Jensen get up there, it's been completely abandoned and the two monsters are zipping and zooming about.
1: Hmm. I just find it interesting that it took them a little while to actually make an appearance once JP, Holly, and Jensen were in the bunker.
0: Yeah I do find it strange that they, like they were around the tents but then when they finally go to like their home essentially or their new home they don't immediately pop up but maybe they were waiting because like again like we said I think they're trying to push them farther into the base so they can find the cave and believe that their only escape is through the teleportation in the cave.
1: I mean, maybe they can't make physical contact with Holly or Jensen.
0: Oh, that's really, that's a good point.
1: Like, maybe they have to keep a certain distance between them because there actually are the same people or same bodies at at this point. Um, Going back to this whole idea of them, like, chasing their own demise, though, it kind of makes me think of in um, House on ha- not House on Haunted Hill. Um, what is it, Hill House? Giving a little bit of a spoiler for Hill House. <laughs> you know, we have um, this this ghost creature that keeps making an appearance throughout that film called the Bent Lady, and by the time we get to the end of that series, we realize that the Bent Lady, who's been chasing, you know, one of the sisters throughout her entire life, is actually her.
0: So it's almost like the ghost was saying, hey, like, this is how you're going to demise. Like, this is how my, this is how your future self is going to demise and your future self is me.
1: Yes. Except in um, Hill House, the ghost was kind of trying to warn her, but it just really couldn't. So no matter how much it tried to like warn her, she still ended up following the path that led to her own destruction.
0: And maybe that's the same for Holly and Jensen. Like, maybe even these monsters, they're not even really trying to, like, push them into the cave. Maybe they're just acting on their basic instinct. Like, I think maybe they're no longer human. So they're just more like animals and they're kind of like, you're in my territory. You need to get out of here. Or I'm going to eat you. Mm-hmm. And Jensen and Holly just can't escape their fate. So, of course, like, as the timeline proceeds, they will go through the teleportation cave and become the monsters like it's just an unescapable circle of fate.
1: Mm -hmm. I do want to say going back to the the whole incident that inspired even this film the Love Pass incident looking at that incident there is some very interesting stuff that happens with the original nine hikers in 1959 Like, if you've ever looked into that case or if you've ever heard anything about it, you know, you have these nine um, skiers. They've done a lot of skiing and hiking before. They go up on the mountains. um, And then when they're actually found, their bodies are found, most of them did succumb to hypothermia, which is what you would expect. However, there was three of them that did have, like, bone fractures that just are kind of left unexplained.
0: I think, but like in the beginning, kind of like what the um, their professor was it. She a professor yes. or she like the head. Um, what she was saying, I think in a way, like I think people want something like unexplainable, so they can project their fears onto it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think I don't think that this is unexplainable because people want something unexplainable. I think it's unexplainable because it hasn't ever really been able to be explained.
0: Well, some people are saying now doing further research into it, they're believing the some people believe it was a hell storm, or like sometimes up in the mountains. I don't quote me on this. I don't look I didn't look into it that much. But like, sometimes like, I see hell will form. And it's so large that can literally like bash your head in.
1: I mean, that's an interesting theory. But I would have to wonder, okay, you have nine people and only three of them ended up with like, fractures and the rest were just hypothermia so how did three of them get hit by the hell and the other six didn't especially and, when they outside
0: true and there is the one person who did have their tongue their tongue was no longer in their mouth and their eyes were gouged out so I don't know how you explain that maybe birds
1: yeah, I mean, the thing about missing, like, body parts like that, especially off of, like, a body, a dead body, is that you could always say scavengers came up and, like, started picking at that body.
0: That just seemed crazy for the tongue to be removed.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, sometimes, like, the, like, softer tissues are the first things that kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> like how um, there was, I read this article um a few months ago about how you know, feet and shoes kept washing up, like, on the, I think it's the Washington coastline, and they could not figure out, like, why these feet and shoes just kept washing up, but none of the rest of the body would wash up, and they thought they had a serial killer or somebody out there doing it, but what they were actually saying is that if somebody drowns and they sink to the bottom, you know, you got a lot of creatures, animals at the bottom of the ocean, or even, like, in just normal water, but mm-hmm. this was the ocean. You have creatures at the bottom of the ocean that will start picking and they'll go through all the soft tissue pretty quickly. And so what happens is they'll eat away all at the ankle area and then like the feet will come will become unattached to the body and float back to land.
0: Oh, you gotta love that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So I mean, you know, what you see nature nature has a way of decomposing bodies, like
0: Well, you know like,
1: what What were you, you... gonna
0: say? I was gonna say you know how I work in animal control we sometimes sadly people will pass away with their pets in their house and you know if those pets are hungry enough we've seen it where they have ate off um people's faces or even ate off like fingertips and sometimes we even had a dog who like I believe ate um a man's private parts off
1: oh man that would be hard to deal with
0: yeah but you know they just they're like I need to survive this is a rotting corpse in front of me I'll consume the meat before it goes
1: bad yeah and when that happens um I thought I had heard that like well I'm not gonna go that way um kind of going back to that ideal maybe the reason the mutants attack JP and start to try to eat him is maybe they're starving
0: oh that is because there's not a lot of people up there so when people do show up they have to act fast to get some food Mm mm-hmm but it still doesn't explain why there was when J.P. and Holly, J.P., I mean, Jensen and Holly were searching through there. They discover a corpse and it's kind of like tied to a table, wasn't
1: it? Um, are you talking about the military personnel? Yes. I don't think it was tied to the table. I think it was just like on the table, like the way you would see an autopsy about to be performed.
0: Oh, okay. Do you think the monsters of Holly Jensen monsters are the ones who did that?
1: I mean, possibly because it was he was missing his tongue, so maybe they just maybe they just like tongues. But we know they didn't eat it because that there was a tongue found outside the weather tower.
0: Well, yeah, because the only tongue Holly wants is JP's.
1: <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't really know. I also didn't really understand like if the mutants could actually get out of the bunker, like because it was unlocked for a point. Like, why they didn't just leave, but maybe they they can only go so far due to the wormhole being in the bunker
0: i still think i find it strange that they would walk around the tents but they wouldn't attack anyone
1: um also going back that's true but like i said maybe they couldn't attack anyone or like maybe maybe they wanted to but then they got interrupted by something okay um and then going back to just when they were getting to the spot they needed to be in Holly and them even mentioned that their time was messed up. Like they made it way faster than they should have. So maybe the wormhole kind of affects all the time in that area.
0: Oh, so maybe, well, I was going to say maybe like their tents appeared where the people from the first incident were walking, but it wouldn't make sense because those were barefoots in the snow. Mm -hmm. But that would have been cool if they had like footprints, like they saw like a group of people walk past them because like the time anomaly was affecting the time you know what i'm saying
1: oh that's an interesting theory that maybe the footprints in the snow weren't any of the five hiker five american hikers maybe it was some of the nine russian hikers from the past like maybe time was like was like melding or converging
0: yeah like those two parts in history were touching one another
1: yeah that's interesting i didn't think about that that's a good theory
0: yeah, but sadly, they the footprints were too large for humans, and they were um, barefooted.
1: So, Cole, is there anything this movie could have done differently that would have made you like it better?
0: I don't think so. I'm just not a big fan of, like, found footage, and I get that they're college students, but I don't like that whole misogynistic attitude. I will say, like, I love how everything ties in well together, so... Well, I may not like the actors or the acting or the um, like the found footage kind of genre. I do like how no matter what, at the end, everything kinda made sense and if I was to watch it again, I could probably find more scenes that connect to one another. So I think they did a really good job at like making sure all the points connect at the end.
1: I would agree to that. Um I also think, you know, I feel like I mentioned to you, I mentioned this to you before we started recording earlier, but a lot of people, when I was reading through reviews and stuff about this movie, they liked it up until the very ending. And I just think it's really hard to start a film off as like found footage, um, just a typical horror movie. And then at the end, do the twist where it's like, oh, it's a sci-fi. There's a sci-fi element. Just because sci-fi is something that's really hard to pull off to begin with. And a lot of people can, like, get confused by it or not really, like, want to engage with it. So I think that if it had left off the sci-fi element and it, if it had ended with just Holly and Jensen being stuck in that bunker, not able to get out, and then that's where the film ended, I feel like more people would have liked it. Um, I just think it was, like, such a big twist at the end that a lot of people didn't know how to take it. Like, you kind of want your audience to know where the film is going. Most Hmm. audiences don't like when there's just this ginormous twist that comes out and doesn't really seem to be connected or, or they weren't kind of led in the direction. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, that makes sense. How did you feel about the twist?
1: I actually kind of liked it because I feel like, you know, it, it gives us more more ways to try to connect the dots like, oh, maybe they, maybe the mutants were here and that's why a tongue was found here. And then I just love how it showed at the end where you see the creepy mutant things on the hooks and then one of the mutants turn their head and then you realize it's Holly because of the angel tat. I mean, not the angel tattoo, but the wing tattoo. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, but I'm also okay with big sci-fi twists and I'm also a sucker for like timelines or anything that deals with time and space being messed with so
0: I agree with you I liked the twist at the end I didn't have a problem with it I honestly felt like that's what kind of was the saving grace like that's what saved the movie for me and I didn't have an issue with the monsters or the teleportation cave I liked that we kind of figured out it kind of explained everything because I would have been unhappy if it kind of just ended with like no explanation to why all of this was happening
1: I also, I also really like the fact that, you know, in the film itself, um, the, the machine wasn't a machine. Like, it's actually a natural being that's just occurring in this cave. Because I feel like when you look at human history, there's always been areas of nature that people consider sacred. Or, like, there's, like, this element of if you come here, you need to respect this area. Or, like, there's certain areas where you shouldn't, you just shouldn't go because there's something there. Like. Something's a little bit off and people have known that even before, you know, modern times, even in historical times, people knew there was something off about different areas. And so they would just like tell, like, warn, leave warnings behind, like, stay away from here.
0: And sadly, the people in this movie did not listen.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm um, also kind of talking about this ideal. Uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> mm. I do. So I had mentioned that there was like almost this element where like the characters themselves were poking fun a little bit at this genre, and I think you see that when um, after Denise has died and they've fixed Andy's leg and they're just sitting out in the cold, it's Holly Jensen, Andy, and JP just sitting around a fire, and Holly starts crying and she's like, "I never meant for any of this to happen," and JP just makes kind of the smart alecky response of you followed like a guide a plan that got nine other hikers killed like what did you expect to happen
0: and it's true like how did holly expect that like to do this like step by step like they did how did she not expect something to go wrong and it's it's just i like that he calls her out on that and that he does kind of like throw some punches at this genre
1: And um, I also think JP and Andy were like the only experienced hikers in their group, like Holly, Denise and Jensen were all kind of amateurs. So it's also weird that they didn't have like a guide, like an actual guide from that area leading them.
0: Which, thank God, I would feel so bad for that guide if he was to die or she was to die with these Americans.
1: (laughs) I mean, but in that instance, I feel like the guide would have either had them turn back around or like given them a warning, and if they didn't listen, then the guide would have just left them.
0: No, true. I just, you know, um, Andy and JP were setting up those tents the whole time. Like,
1: <laughs> true. And JP was also the one cooking. I do have to mention though, like his dehydrated food sounded better than I was expecting.
0: Can I just say I find it so funny like after sadly after Denise has passed away in the avalanche or we believe passed away and they're just sitting there and and he's laying there with a broken leg coming in and out of consciousness. Jensen um, is like we have to have blueberry pancakes. It's like, oh OK, my
1: God. yes, I thought that I thought that was so freaking bizarre, Cole, like that. I actually like that scene. I was like, wait maybe I'm mixing the scenes up in my head because they're they're just seem kind of cheerful in that instance like what do you want blueberry pancakes or macaroni and cheese I'm like your friend just died and your other (laughs) friend is laying here with a broken leg and he can't get better and you're sitting here joking about what to have for breakfast
0: I know in horror movies you really don't get time to like um, not horror movies, but in these kind of genres of movies, you don't really get a set and be like kind of mourn for the dead. You just gotta move on. You gotta keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also have questions about how the footage was found because last we checked, all their films and stuff is in the bunker. So how did anybody find that?
0: That is so true. And I, like I said earlier, I th- believe the Russian soldiers or government is too afraid to go into the bunker so it does, that That doesn't make sense how they got that footage.
1: Yeah, and then we find out that hackers were able to steal it from whoever had it. So if it was the military that had it, the hackers were able to steal it from them. But my question is, nobody was going in that bunker.
0: Yeah, no one.
1: So I'm just curious about how that footage got out.
0: Look at you, poking holes in the movie.
1: Yep. Um, so overall, Cole, how would you rate the film out of five stars?
0: Oh, I'm going to give it... Uh, three, 3.0, three out of
1: five. I'm going to give this movie a four just because I did, I do like sound footage films. I think they're interesting. Um, I feel like overall, even though the characters were annoying, I feel like they fulfilled their roles pretty well. And I feel like it did leave me with a lot of questions. I liked the scientific twist at the end, you know, the sci-fi twist. I like time and space stuff. I think it's kind of creepy <laughs> to think that like time and space can merge or quantum entanglement, whatever you want to call it. Um, so overall i liked it
0: yeah and i agree with you i believe that's what kind of bumps it up from a 2.5 is that whole ending i really did enjoy the ending
1: and i like the uh, fact that you know this movie is came around due to an actual incident that did occur that you can go and investigate like and watch you know videos on and stuff it wasn't just a completely made up incident
0: my only issue is that is when you do take an, a real incident from real life, you got to be cautious with it because, like, they did have to manipulate the history. They added like a tenth hiker. They added like people who weren't really there. And you know, sometimes in a way, I feel like that soils the true story.
1: Yeah, and I can see that a little bit. Um, I guess it's just with any work of fiction, like when even if it even things that take element of real life to them, there's going to be a little bit of like storytelling to it. I agree. Um, so if you were ever to go into a cave, Cole, and you saw something like that, would you continue down a tunnel?
0: Well, Carly, you first have to think. That's assuming that I would go into a cave where there's weird portals but also if I was t- like sleeping somewhere whether that's snow or just normal grassy play uh, like a normal uh, place with no snow first of all as soon as I see footprints or see that someone's been walking around my tent at night I'm out of there I'm going home you won't we you won't find know me know anything. you're cave.
1: not gonna go camping you're gonna go glamping I think I've only known you to actually camp twice in your life and both times were miserable for you <laughs>
0: I actually enjoy camping. I went camping okay. one time at Lake Nasty Water and it was very enjoyable.
1: Cole, that that name of that water does not sound good.
0: <laughs> it was actually fun to swim in. But then I got a ticket because I had a glass bottle and that made me very annoyed.
1: Well, you should follow the park rules, Cole.
0: But they didn't post the rules anywhere. But a police officer or whatever they're called, park ranger with park. tight, tight shorts, wrote me a hundred dollar, over a hundred dollar ticket. <laughs>
1: Well, you shouldn't have had a glass there. <laughs> um, but, Cole, we've been to some interesting places. I mean, we went to the Carlsbad Caverns. Obviously, there's not, like, a lot of superstition that I've heard of about around that. And you just you follow the whole, you know, the pathway down so you don't get lost or anything. And there's always a ton of people there. Like, each time we've gone, there's been a lot of people. And then we went to American Stonehenge. That place was interesting.
0: That place was interesting. That place was really nice. And I love the history behind it. And I love how they are preserving it. I will say they did try to. Which I didn't enjoy. But you know. That's going to happen anywhere. You have a (laughs) historical site.
1: I mean. Especially if it's relying on the money of like tourists. They kind of have to have something to draw people in. Or else people just drive by it. Without a second thought.
0: True. true. Um,
1: I do think that when I was looking at. Films, I mean, and research about the Diet Love Pass incident. There was something that was mentioned that I thought was crazy. It said there's a theory that the wind there blows at a certain level, like there's a certain decibel sound to it that will actually drive people crazy.
0: And see, you know what that's telling me? People shouldn't go up into the mountains. People should leave the snowy mountains alone. Don't go hiking or climbing or whatever it may be called. Don't go to Mount Everest. Leave it alone. Leave the mountains alone. Just stay (laughs) down in the valleys and in the plains and near the ocean. Don't go up into the mountains.
1: But, I mean, also, it it makes you think, you know, about how a lot of paranormal hauntings, when people think their places are haunted, they'll have people go in and check it out. And a lot of times, it's not an actual haunting that's going on. What they found is, like, if a building isn't completely stable, and it shifts a lot, or if, like, you know... There's just little things off about the building, Um, like structurally, it can actually make people think that there's something bad happening there or give them a bad vibe about the place because we like intuitively, we pick up on that, like, and we think, well, there's something wrong here. But we don't see anything wrong because to our eyes, everything seems fine. So our brains kind of compensate that by going, oh, it must be something paranormal. It must be something spiritual because I can't see what's wrong, you know, when actually yeah. it could just be like the building, the foundation of the building's not completely settled.
0: It just goes to show you how our brains are so like, they'll try to make a connection anywhere to make it make sense, even if it's kind of supernatural or paranormal.
1: And I mean, it also just shows like how deep down, even though we do use logical thought and we can be very rational, we're also still very animalistic. And we still have those instincts of, oh, you know, this building could cave in, even if that's not likely. (laughs) Our animal side is like, this place is shaking a little bit at at a subconscious level. We're picking up on that and we're like, oh, there's something wrong here. So we're in a constant state of anxiety. (laughs) When's this going to collapse in? And our logical mind is like, no, nothing's wrong here. So it tries to rationalize it by going, well, maybe there is something wrong here. Maybe something is off.
0: You just got to love that animal part of your brain. Mm -hmm. High alert all the
1: time. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I don't know. I also think it's interesting just to look at like different natural places that are considered like sacred or like where people are told to stay away from and we even know that that mountain is called death mountain so anything with the name death in it you should just avoid completely
0: well you really have to understand like how much we don't listen to people who are originated from those areas who originally live there who have the stories who have the tells and who give the warnings and how we just it's kind of like that human mind of support um like of. Not like colonizing, but you know, like, oh, I don't care what you say; I'm still not going to respect you or your beliefs or your how you hold the land to this um sacredness. I'm still going to trample all over it. And sometimes that does bite us in the butt.
1: Because I mean, we could just look at it and be like, oh, they're being superstitious, or this is just a myth of theirs, a local legend. But that stuff could have like roots in reality. Like there could be a reason they're saying it, and it's because people have gotten hurt there and. Maybe they're saying it's spiritual when in reality, it could be something like, you know, pools in escasins gases coming up from the ground or, you know, the wind blowing at a certain level there that drives people insane.
0: Like, could you if imagine the
1: and everything?
0: Like, could you imagine when people like colonizers found the Yellowstone National Park and they didn't listen? And I wonder what happened to those people who decided to step into the pools of water
1: Or even how some like some pools of water, you know, there's different times where they can be, you know, you can go into them and swim, not necessarily in Yellowstone, but like, you know, there are bodies of waters where sometimes it's safe to be in them. And then other times, you know, the water could heat up rapidly due to underground vents and then it's not safe for you to be in it. So it just depends.
0: Yeah, we should really listen to the past. And to those who lived lived here and still live here before us.
1: I also think um, because we talked about this a little bit, it doesn't it relates to the movie in some way because you brought up the theory about, you know, how there can be hell that forms on the mountain and it'll drop down onto people and hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think natural phenomenons like that are really interesting. Like once a long time ago, I watched a documentary about like two brothers and they were young, like they were in their they were in their teens. They were hiking up a mountain that they had hiked all the time it was like in their hometown so you know pretty normal for them to go take a walk up it except this day a storm was rolling in and somehow there was like an electric field that developed around the mountain and one of the boys got electrocuted
0: oh my god how sad and And how scary of nature
1: those you don't always like we don't really always understand those events like it's just crazy that they happen
0: yeah isn't there an event like called ball lightning that we still really don't understand
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen uh, videos of that. And it's really creepy looking like if you were just outside at night, and you saw that happen, you would definitely think, oh, my God, it's the end of times, or there's something a ghost out here or a demon or alien, something is making this odd thing happen.
0: And you know, that's what like, I believe a lot of natural phenomenons or things that happened way back then before, you know, like, we were more scientific or put more science to these things like people created stories and created beliefs and you know that's like it kind of explains some of the things when you read like these old legends and tells it makes you wonder
1: yeah like there's a lot of a lot of myths are based on trying to explain like the natural world and natural phenomenons because they didn't have the scientific understanding at that time that we do but even now with a lot of the scientific understanding we have we can't always explain stuff
0: Yeah, and I think why that's why you got to have a balance between the two. You got to look at the science, but you also got to look at the history, the people, and the the stories, and how they tie into that science.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh my goodness, we've been (laughs) talking for a bit, KK.
1: So I guess that's really all I have to say about the movie. Is there anything else you want to say?
0: No, I believe we have covered everything.
1: Okay. Um, and then next week, we're not going to be reviewing a movie. We're going to be just discussing about, like, stuff that scares us in general. Or is there something in mind that you want to discuss?
0: I think um, we'll probably, when we start that episode, we'll kind of focus on the topic. We will can think about it over this week. But um, next week, we will be entering February. So we'll, um, like KK said, we'll this first week of February, we'll talk about We'll pick a subject to talk about stuff that scares us or maybe even stuff that relates to the month. But we'll decide that this week. But February will be our month of horror valentines.
1: But for the first week, we're not going to be reviewing a movie.
0: No, but for the, the next three weeks after that, we will review movies.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, If you like this, make sure you tune in next week.
0: Yes, please tune in and join us. Thank you.
1: Bye.
0: Bye.